good morning. I used to tell my students when I was teaching that you're never late if you're in front of the professor. So y'all have been here and we are ready. And good morning to you if you're safe and at home and bundled in. We are here in this place and at home to worship the living God. Our call to worship this morning is a psalm of celebration. I want to do this responsibly. It's Psalm 148. I'll begin. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights above. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. Let's stand and sing, God of grace and God of glory. Have a seat, if you would, please. And again, a good welcome. I'm thankful we've braved COVID after being gone for two weeks uh, out of an abundance of caution, and we're here even uh, despite the weather. We've gathered here, and then we, as I've wanted to thank our missionaries across the internet to bring the good news of the gospel to people at home, in your apartments, wherever you may be. So welcome all because of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does, we can join uh, in this way. I'm very intrigued that, that we can share life and do these things. And I think I'm beginning to see the sun out there. That's even better how that goes. Um, today's a big day in American culture. Uh, big football game tonight. I know New Orleans didn't make it, but I also saw my wife making a big pot of gumbo. So the Saints didn't make it to the Super Bowl, but New Orleans is still going on in my house. So all is good. I hope you're well. Let us be encouraged by the fullness of God's grace and all that he has for us. I'm thankful that I didn't have to figure out reality for myself, that I can be coached and learn along the way, that there was given to me a great inheritance to understand 
God and all that he had for me. And my goal is to pass that on to the next generation. We do this with the Heidelberg Catechism, and each month I'm taking a different question. So let's confess our faith. It's question number 25, and I'll begin with a question. You respond with the answer. Here it is. Since there is only one divine being, why do you speak of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Because that is how God has revealed himself in his word. These three distinct persons are one true eternal God. Let us stand and sing, May the Mind of Christ My Savior. Let's turn to the Father, and I will pray. Let us join our hearts together. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you that on a cold day, your love is warm and true. And so I pray you'd begin to speak deeply to our hearts and minds of your great love for your people, for the world that you created, and for your reaching out to us through Christ at the cross. Thank you that you've called us to be a part of this family of ministry, Heart Awake. And so we pray for all the ministries under this umbrella, Neighbors Plus, each contiguous part, our missionaries. We pray that you would renew in us a heart for evangelism, to see people who are far from you brought close to you and for the ministry of discipleship to see each of our lives shaped by the living God. Father, stir our hearts and call us to prayer. Deepen that relationship and that spiritual practice, we ask. We pray for our sister community watershed this day, particularly be with Rick Boomsma, pastor who is candidating with us and as he preaches and meets with uh, that community. We pray for fusion that will meet later this morning and for Pastor Aaron who will be bringing your word there. For Pastor Florencio and Mission that will meet where we are in just a few hours. Thank you for that glorious reminder that your gospel is for every tribe and tongue and nation. We want to be part of your good working out. Father, in this particular community, you desire to bind us together in support and love. So. 
Remember each one of us, to each one of us, that we might pray and encourage, make phone calls, uh, connect in any way we can. We thank you that Joan is recovering from surgery and doing well. She's now at home. For Jim, as he navigates uh, radiation. Father, for all who are feeling the press of isolation uh, in this season of COVID, we pray you'd be encouragement to hearts that are lonely, to relationships that have been stretched across distance along this long time. We pray that you would bring refreshing and renewal. Father, most, most of all, in this portion of your flock, equip your people to express love to one another in the fullness of your great work. You've called us to pray for those in authority over us, Father, and this day we would pray for local government, for businesses and employment as they make decisions and navigate this uncertain time, for schools and the work of education. Again, we pray for teachers and administrators, for the difficult decisions they're facing, uh, equip and encourage them, refresh them. For local government, city, township, county, as they've been tasked with the, the lowest level boots on the ground sort of vaccine implementation. We pray that, again, you would guide this process, bring safety and health. You've also called us to be a part of your worldwide work, Father, and so we remember your church across the globe and the missionaries that go out from Hardawike, several in countries that can't be spoken of, even as they bring your love and your gospel to people. Father, I thank you for the words from the book of Revelation. We're in closing. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price, for it has been paid. Lord Jesus, we bring our thirsty selves to you. Quench our, our deep thirst with your living water the refreshing libation of your everlasting love, abiding peace, and heart-fueling hope. For what do we really thirst? We thirst to know you better and better, Lord Jesus. We're thirsty to be filled with the Holy Spirit, fresh and new each day. We're thirsty to be as free, whole, and loving as you will make us each day. We're thirsty for the day of no death, the day when tears will be wiped away, that day when there will be full joy. We're thirsty for the wedding feast of the Lamb when we will never thirst again. We're thirsty for the day of no things broken and all things made new. Father, have your work in us and through us to your glory and to the benefit of our neighbors. Again, Father, I ask that you teach us to pray and call us and equip us in prayer, even now as we use the words that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Well, we are moving through uh, several instances in the four gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're calling this surprise you belong because uh, in each encounter that Jesus has with people, we can see a, a distance where people who feel like they're on the outside are invited in, and people who feel like they're on the inside are reminded of exactly why they are inside. We, we need that refreshing and encouragement. Uh, this morning, there's a metaphor that runs throughout the metaphor of living water. Watch and hear that as we go through the morning. And we hear of Jesus meeting a woman, and we read of her discovery of him and what it means for her. Let's hear the Word of God. I'm reading several verses from this longer story. I'll begin at John chapter 4, verse 4. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon, that is, the heat of the day. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples, you see, had gone into town to try and buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For you see, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you, given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and their livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, eh, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite right. Uh, Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for the message of salvation has come through the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father really seeks." God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, 
I, I know that the Messiah called Christ is, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared to her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God and Father, we thank you that you have loved us deeply. And by the grace and presence of your Holy Spirit, you superintended the, the mind of John as he recalled the experience and the stories of his life with Jesus and carefully wrote them down. And then you, across centuries, have preserved these texts. It's an amazing story. So that now we can sit down with them, translate them, study them, pray through them, share together. And by the promise of your written word and your presence in the Holy Spirit, you will make yourself known to us. Illumine our hearts and minds now, we pray, to receive. Lift the, the, the ink from the page, as it were. Shine a light not only upon Jesus, but upon us, that we might see ourselves through the lens of his calling and love. Guard your people from my brokenness, Father. But make yourself clear, for you love them. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's people said together, amen. Amen. You know, when we learn to read the entire Bible in light of the gospel, in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus, when we look at every book and every passage from Genesis to Revelation, in light of that, Jesus becomes the hero of every story and every verse. Jesus is the hero of this book, not the other characters. But today, there is an interesting supporting character, namely a woman. Now, we don't know much about this woman, but we can learn or infer a number of things. One is that she was outside the circle of even her own community. She was pressed back and distant. She was a woman getting water from a well alone and at midday. Usually the gathering of water for a, a village like that would have been done in the morning by the whole community of women. It was get up and get to it, let's go together, talk and plan, share life, bring the sustaining water of life back to our families. She was cast out. She was not consulted or included. There's another thing we know about this woman because she eventually tells Jesus directly. And this fact might explain the others. For this woman had had five husbands and the man she is with is not even her husband. We can see that apparently she was the kind of woman who could attract a man's attention but was unable to hold a man's affections. Expecting to be alone in midday, meeting her daily needs herself, cut off, perhaps by her own sense of shame. She encounters a man, at least that's what it seems as she sees Jesus. What is she to make of this man? Who is he? What are her risks? How should she act? Simply put, she arrives and has this question, who is this by the well? A man? 
Well, yes, the truth of the matter is the faith of the church affirms it. Jesus is a man. But we know at this point, those of us here, something that she does not. Jesus is a man, but he is not simply a man. Jesus is a man, but there is so much more to him. So much more, in fact, that if we interact with Jesus, if he is only a man, we will never really understand who he is as a person. So her first encounter, who is this? It looks like a man to me. Like her world, our world often categorizes people by gender. You are male or you are female. Or in our world, you are non-binary or who knows what anymore. But the truth of the matter is, then and now, our gender categories are much more confusing and will never explain to us or help us understand all of who Jesus is. If we look at him through that lens of gender, we will miss who Jesus is. So this woman gives Jesus the look over, the check and see, as she walks closer to the well where he is seated. And then he initiates conversation. Will you give me a drink, he asks. Now she can know something more about him. He is not just a man. He is a Jew. Perhaps his accent or language or clothing. This man was not just a man. He was a distinct sort of man, a Jewish man. The cultural wall, the barrier that would have existed between male and female was now made even higher by the wall of ethnicity. You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman, she says. How can you ask me for a drink? This is blowing apart all the walls of safety and security and identity of her time. John adds, just so anybody who would read it centuries later knows, for Jews did not associate with Samaritans. There was history. Again, the woman is working hard to get a handle on this Jewish man who is apparently thirsty enough to cross the boundaries of gender and ethnicity and to engage her in conversation to make his needs as a human known to her. He answers her, but in a way that she just doesn't understand at first. It's almost comic if you really think through the conversation between Jesus and the woman. She's thinking about physical water. What's well, a deep well? He's thinking about something else that's more important. He's speaking about the Spirit. Listen to their interaction. Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. How can you get the living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well? Jesus responds, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. It just goes right over her head at this moment. Let, let it be like that, because there will be times in our walk with Jesus where we're studying, we're praying, we're hearing, and the good news just goes right over our heads like hers. The good news is that's fine. Jesus won't give up. You see, she's struggling to make sense of this. Jesus continues to pursue her. And then there's that moment. Oh, call your husband and come back and I'll give you the living water. 
I have no husband, sir. You're right. You have, fi- have had five husbands. That would bring that old term, awkward. You can just imagine. That. And the man you're with now is not even your husband. Her response seems immediately, I can see that you are a prophet. <laughs> For her, a prophet was a behavior checker. One who sees what regular people try to hide and pulls it out. Busted. She's now known, but she's not rejected. You can almost feel the wave of shame sweep over her, and yet Jesus continues with her. Notice, oh, this is a strategy. She tries to change the subject and hide behind meaningless religious controversy. You ever had that happen to you? ever done it. Yikes. Uh, uh, I can see you're a prophet. Uh, Let's talk about the worship wars. You Jews say to worship here, and we Samaritans say to worship there. Dodging the question, looking to hide. Jesus continues. He's not deterred. He doesn't shame her. He continues to speak gospel truth to her. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. He will not be distracted. He neither focuses on her sin and brokenness, nor does he say that her sin and brokenness doesn't matter. It's just that God has something to offer, even her. Believe me, he says, a time is coming when you will worship the Father in spirit. Boy, you diagram that sentence. This is a direct description of what Jesus sees in her. A time is coming when you, wife of five, living with one who's not, you will worship in spirit and in truth. Friends, God has something to offer this woman. Believe me, Jesus has said, you will worship in spirit and truth. This woman may not be certain about a lot with regard to this man, Jesus, this Jew who she now sees as prophet, but she knows that he is more than his gender. He's more than his ethnicity or his moral requirements. Could this be the one that thought begins to dawn on her? Could this be the one we've heard about? I know that the Messiah is coming, she says, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. That's good news to somebody who's confused about this encounter. For her, Messiah would have been a reigning king, a political leader to set people free. And Jesus is that. There is coming a time when every throne will be subservient to his. You've heard me say that as an American citizen, we've recently changed presidents. But as a Christian, I have the same king I had a month ago, two months ago, six months ago. Yes, I'm living under a reigning king. Everything that exists was created by him. But all of that is more than this woman can grasp at this moment. For now, we see her understanding of Jesus being refined and expanded. From Jew to prophet to Messiah. Who Jesus is is getting bigger. What Jesus is is getting more clearly defined. Jesus cannot be 
reduced to her category of gender or ethnicity or moralism. He keeps breaking the box. And Jesus does that for his people day by day. Part of a living relationship with a living God is that he should be expanding and our vision should be refining day by day, hour by hour. It would be a helpful spiritual practice to sit down and say, how has my vision or experience of Jesus gotten bigger and clearer over the past year, over the past five years? What do I know more clearly about Jesus today than I did earlier in my life? See, the question for this woman becomes, who is this who offers her living water? More than water from a well, he's offering her something more. My water, you will never thirst again. Jesus, from the beginning of this conversation, has wanted to give her more than she can understand. That's what it means to live as his child. He uses metaphorical language because he wants to draw us into more and more and more. He has for us a new identity. I can give you life. Your life is not to be simply the total of your best efforts. Who and what you are is not the result or always defined by your biggest mistakes. I want to exchange your share of pride or shame for adoption as a deeply loved child of the great creator king. You see, Jesus offers us more by his grace than we can ever establish under our own efforts. She was a woman and Jesus was telling her, your feminine charms can only get you so far or you can drink from the living water that will never leave you thirsty. She began wondering about him. He kept expanding in her mind and thinking. And now this different question, who am I? You see, this is how Jesus works it. If he is what he claims to be, then what does that mean for me? As her understanding of Jesus is expanded and refined, she's now asking, who am I? And Jesus keeps pressing her. There is more living water that will never leave you thirsty. I have more for you than you can take from this well. In this way, Jesus challenges all of us. Do we know him for who he really is? The closer we get to that truth, and it's the journey of a lifetime, the more he's expanded and refined, the more we will understand about ourselves. It's the first chapter of Calvin's Institutes. Our knowledge of God is what can give us a clear knowledge of ourselves. You won't understand what it means to be fully human until you begin to grasp who God is and what he's done in the gospel of his grace. The, here's a principle of God's universe. We do not get to make our own identity because we're not God. Instead, the great creator king offers us far more than we could ever make for ourselves. To the person who wants to live under the shine of their own career success, Jesus and the gospel say, there is more to you than career success. I will give you adoption. 
Adoption to be a deeply loved child of the great creator king, not just someone who's good in business, who's amassed this well, who's put together all these different good business reviews. There is more to you than you can make. To the person who finds meaning for their life in their family or children, those are good things. But if that's your identity, they can never stand the pressure. Whether it's parenting or providing or presenting the good face, the gospel offers to parents an identity greater than parenthood. Imagine that greater and more wonderful. We do not get to make our own identity. We were created for more, and that is the gospel of God's grace. It's not what we achieve. It's what through faith we receive from his hand. Here's how we have said it for centuries, friends. I am not my own, but I belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The woman probably could not say that with understanding that day. But I wonder, as she went back to the village to to tell those who weighed her down under a burden of shame. I mean, you've got to, again, let some of this story just grip you. Here's a woman who comes and tells everybody in the village that's shamed her all these years. I just met a man who told me everything I ever did. I want to tell you, there's at least six men in that village who are thinking, oh no, because I'm part of some of the stuff you did. I want to tell you, Jesus breaks into our life and challenges the things we would love that are less than him. She could not say, I'm not my own, but belong body and soul in life and death. But there would come a time perhaps in the next day or two, perhaps later on, when she would see, because you are God and because I am me, I receive what you could give me. I'll give you a concrete example of how this works and how it plays out and guides and directs our life in a very real issue that we face this day. Um, Many of you, I hope, or if not all of you, are aware that Hardawike is a part of a group of churches, a denomination, the Christian Reformed Church of North America. And for several years now, we've, as a denomination, asked a group of thoughtful, prayerful leaders to write a new statement on a theology of human sexuality. Uh, It'll be coming to General Synod this summer for discussion. It's available. I've put it on the sermon resources, and I've read it, all 187 pages of it. That's a lot. There's also a 12-page executive summary that I highly recommend to you. That's readable. And here's what I want to tell you. I think it's a very good statement. I hope that it's adopted with little or no editing. It's biblical. It's strong. We would stand before God with his affirmation, though we may stand before our culture with resistance. One of the outstanding parts of that statement is that God is the one who shows us and teaches us what we are. Our word to our surrounding culture is that you can't build a fully human life on simply your sexual preferences. 
You were made for more than what you feel inside. Because God is God, he tells us what brings life and what doesn't. I highly recommend that you read this because it's a statement that brings to this challenging issue that all of us face. The insight that God has called us as his, he's defined who we are, and his gifts are greater than anything we could ever ask or imagine or earn or demand. In closing this morning, I want to tell you a story from history about a guy who discovered this same thing, even though it was centuries ago. Augustine of Hippo was born in 354, 350 years after the ministry of Christ, as it were. He was born in North Africa in what is now Algeria. It was part of the extended reach of the greatest civilization of that time, the Roman Empire. Augustine was a brilliant student. He would excel at everything he studied and applied himself to, and he lived passionately. He moved through various relationships. He fathered a son when he was only 17. He studied philosophy and spirituality. He departed from the faith of his mother, Monica, but Monica, as a devout believer in Jesus Christ, prayed for him earnestly and consistently. She prayed for his conversion. And at age 31, after an encounter with the book of Romans, Augustine was converted. Like the woman at the well, Augustine grew in his understanding of Jesus. And as he grew to know Jesus more, he became transformed in his understanding of himself. He would go on to become a priest then bishop, then the greatest theologian of his time, and indeed influential across all times. Martin Luther was a trained Augustinian monk more than 10 centuries later. In his book, Confessions, he tells the story of his life and his conversion and his mother's prayers and so much more. And indeed, this statement, you have made us for yourselves, O Lord. It's a prayer. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. This woman at the well sought to find her identity and relationships that she could control but never keep. People have tried to find their identity in their ethnicity, in finding a new gender, in establishing a business or excelling as a parent. But again and again, there is a thirst that will not be quenched until we come and surrender to the living God. Oh, Lord, you have made us for yourself. Identity comes from you. It's not determined by me. And our heart is restless until it rests in you. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God and Father, like the woman at the well, We've been doing the best we know to do at life, sometimes better, sometimes worse. I thank you that because you have created us and because Jesus at the cross redeemed us, you know us better than we know ourselves. And you have offered not teaching for our conformity, but rescue from our brokenness. Thank you that at the cross the transaction was made.
Our sin was paid for. We were ransomed. And no longer simply image bearers of God that are broken. Your grace has called us into adoption. Deeply loved, fully adopted children of the great creator king. There in you, our hearts find the rest for which we were created. Our thirst is met by living water that is not only sufficient for us, but flows through us to our neighbors, indeed to the utter ends of the earth. For you are at work in the life of your people, gathered, gifted, humbled, repenting. You have gathered the lives of your people to make known the good news not of a prophet who checks up on our behavior, but of a Savior who gave his life for us that we might become more than we could ever ask or imagine. We give you thanks, our Lord, for your greatness and your goodness. We love because he first loved us. That's what we see at the cross. It's cost. That's what we sing of in this moment. My Jesus, I love you. I know you are mine. For you, all the follies of this crazy life, I'll resign. Let's stand and sing to his glory. Beloved of God, and now may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen and amen.